0: While New Zealanders were in lockdown with our borders closed, a suite of government agencies, including Tourism New Zealand, got quite busy producing an international ad campaign called Stories from New Zealand. The Taxpayers Union made some critical comments about its value, so Tourism New Zealand got in touch with us to explain the value of the campaign. Now we've decided to have this discussion on the Taxpayers Union podcast, so today I'm joined by Stephen England-Hall, the Chief Executive of Tourism New Zealand. How are you, Stephen?
1: Good morning. I'm very well, thank you.
0: Brilliant. Now, can we just start by um, could you explain what the stories from New Zealand campaign is about? What its sort of theme or meaning is, and just how it works in terms of is it TV ads, online, and what countries are the targeted audience?
1: Yeah, sure, no problem at all. I mean, it's um, the campaign is is messages from New Zealand is the core idea, core creative platform, and to your and as to your introductory remarks, absolutely. So tourism New Zealand obviously, are charged with ensuring that New Zealand as a destination is marketed for the long-term benefit of New Zealand. In fact, that's the reason we exist. And when we saw uh, what was happening around the world and what was happening, obviously, with New Zealand, with regards to our borders and the inability for visitors to move across them, we thought, you know, how can we ensure that we keep New Zealand as a destination alive in the hearts and minds of consumers, particularly in our key target markets? around the world at a time when they actually can't visit us. And we, so we, we started thinking about that. We started working on that piece of work. Um, and as we started to develop it and get underneath the surface of the insights and the consumer mindset that's going on out there, we started to recognize there was a significant opportunity to partner with some of our other agencies in the uh, New Zealand Inc. network, if you like, to try and bring a greater weight together, a stronger voice together, and therefore be a more efficient user of taxpayers' dollars in bringing a message from New Zealand to the world at this time. So that was, that was the premise of it. Um, and as we got into that piece of work, what became really um, important for us to recognise as Tourism New Zealand, of course, is that keeping uh, you know, the brand alive out there in the world ensuring we have a share of voice that's strategically significant to New Zealand's future has significant halo benefits to our other export industries. And so not only doing this for the benefit of the tourism industry, but also for the benefit of other New Zealand export sectors made a lot of sense.
0: So um, how many government agencies were involved all up?
1: So Tourism New Zealand, New Zealand Trade and Enterprise, the Ministry for Primary Industries, New Zealand Story, uh, Education New Zealand.
0: Okay. Okay. But I, I guess, are you suggesting that even if these agencies hadn't teamed up, Tourism New Zealand would have still launched a campaign uh, like this, or perhaps on a smaller scale?
1: Yeah, we would have absolutely have launched a campaign like this. Because um, one of the things that we have to be very mindful of in the international visitor space is that at the, the lead time between somebody being coming aware of a place to go and visit, like New Zealand, and them actually arriving here as a visitor can be anything up to a couple of years Now, our data suggests that, you know, for most of our long-haul markets, whether that be Europe or or Asia or the US, then you're looking at somewhere in the order of 6 to 12 months before they actually arrive here from the time they first start to consider New Zealand as a place to go on holiday. Australia clearly is a little bit different, it's a bit closer to home, and that conversion can be anything from sort of 6 to 12 weeks, so they're a bit closer, but certainly for those long-haul markets, it can be quite a long, long journey. Given that we don't know when the borders will reopen, we wanted to make sure that we kept that brand layer operating in the international markets because it's actually very difficult, requires a huge amount of investment and takes a lot of time to build what we call share of voice and awareness amongst the core audience that we're trying to target. So when we look, when we balance it up, we say, look, you know, at the the heart of our act, so to speak, is this definition that says, so market New Zealand as a destination for the long-term benefit of New Zealanders. And with that in mind, we're going, well, how do we get best use of funds here right now? How do we make sure that we can have real cut through on an international stage? Make sure that New Zealand doesn't disappear off everyone's map. Uh, you may recall we had a campaign on that a couple of years ago Yeah. called um, Get NZ on the Map. Yeah. And that, that's because, you know, we, we're, we're very small. We're 0.29% of global tourism. So a very, very small number of visitors come here, but we're 0.8% of global tourism spend. So we've been very effective over time at making sure that we're targeting high value audiences, that we are improving New Zealand. You know, the mix of visitors to to value is improving the right way for us as a country. And we didn't want to lose any of that momentum. And so that was so we would have done the work regardless. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm sure our listeners probably understand this idea that if someone sees an ad, it might take six months or 12 months or even longer before they decide to to book a flight to New Zealand. But if you have a choice between spending money today at a time when the borders are closed and could be closed for months or even longer into the future, and... The alternative is to wait until spending this money on a campaign when people actually immediately have that option of booking a flight. Is that really the same kind of value? Wouldn't it make more sense to wait until you until people do have that opportunity before you make the spend?
1: Yeah, so there's always a trade-off there between you know kind of short termism and long-term benefit. And what we have to be really careful of is so to your point, the example you're giving there is what we call the conversion layer. So that's actually taking someone who's got an interest in New Zealand and converting them into an arrival. And that conversion layer, you're absolutely bang on. There's no point in spending money in that conversion layer right now because people can't actually physically come. So that conversion layer, uh, largely the funding from that layer has gone into our domestic campaign work to drive New Zealand behaviour and New Zealanders into the tourism industry and participating in the tourism industry and helping to drive economic recovery through that lens. But the brand layer is is like an ongoing requirement and so if we, say, went off the air for or went dark for, say, 12 months, um, which meant we weren't visible in the markets out there in our key, six, say, top six markets, we might save a few tens of millions of dollars uh, in the short term. But what happens is that it will take us three three plus years to rebuild that share of voice and it will cost the taxpayer and, of course, New Zealand, uh, tourism New Zealand, you know, into the, top, into the power of two or three to be able to get the same share of voice back. Because if what happens is that when you stop marketing, you stop talking to your audience. They, you, you just get replaced by other things. If that makes sense, you just you you know you you fill up the consumer's mind gets filled up with other options. So the trade-off for us is how do we balance that? How do we make sure that we're not spending money on things that don't make sense, like the conversion layer, which you just mentioned before, getting people to actually buy a ticket and come in and today, because that would be wasted money in that activity layer, versus making sure we stay relevant and we have a strong share of voice out there. And that that's the that's the piece that we're very, very mindful of. How do we make sure we do that? Because it will cost us a fortune as a country to get back what we lose if we disappear.
0: Okay, so I think you've started to answer the question that I was going to ask next, which is around the actual content of the campaign. When you talk about the conversion layer, which is what you're not focusing on right now, I assume these are ads designed to get people online to book a ticket on a, on a fairly short-term basis. Yep. Whereas this campaign is more about the brand and this idea of messages from New Zealand. I've watched, uh, well, the three, I think the three first videos of this campaign and I'll, I'll try to read out some examples of the script. So there are, there's essentially a montage of characters in these videos and they, they have messages for the audience asking, asking the viewers to, for example, listen carefully to each other, go to the library. Uh, be nice to all the dogs. Always be a good boy, and seek the treasure of your heart. Uh, what does this all mean?
1: So those are those are great questions. So that you're, I mean, obviously, you're picking um, particular lines out of the video content themselves. Um, what 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 we want to make sure we do here is that the piece of content is. So first of all, the, the messages from New Zealand campaign is actually made up of a series of pieces of content. Some of which you've already seen. The early ones you've just seen. At the heart of that, we want to build a picture of New Zealand as a place and the values of the people that's, that live here. And if you like, those two things together, along with our our prosperity and our ingenuity and our integrity, really represent our brand on the
0: world. What are the values of the people who live here?
1: So the values that are expressed in the content are around kaitiaki, so taking care of people in place for now and future generations. Manaakitanga, so obviously the the... Uh, building respect in others and um, uplifting the values of others and therefore building the mana in yourself. And then, of course, things like ingenuity, which is around our innovation story, whakafanonatanga, so the, build, the art of building relationships with others and the connection with, with, our, with our communities. So that's where you know, this idea when a person visits somewhere, they become connected to us as a people. So the, the principles of that campaign, the principles of the brand layer and the values we're trying to espouse, so really around kaitiaki, tanga and ingenuity. And so the key for us is about reinforcing those messages. So that's that—that's the brand layer, if you like. Okay. The flow-on pieces of content start to get into specific, uh, almost calls to action against particular verticals. So, we, so off of this top piece of layer, this top layer of content, which is really just about expressions of values, we start getting into... Uh, you know, our food and beverage story, our technology story, our tourism story, and so forth. And the idea is you create a brand framework on top where you've got consistent brand layering or brand messaging, and the values become important. They become a reason for someone to connect with New Zealand. And then underneath that, we start to look at different audience segments, such as your tourism consumer, your business events consumer, your uh, sorry, business events buyer, your tourism trade campaign, your food and beverage, your tech and investment, and so forth. And each of those. Uh, sub-sectoral campaigns obviously is in development or close to going live now. And they'll be phased out over the next 12 months or so.
0: Okay, so what you're, what you're saying is there'll be more specific advocacy for certain products or services uh, further on in the campaign?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And what we realise is that trying to get brand story for New Zealand that's more cohesive or you know, a, a more joined-up campaign platform that other agencies and exporters can use will enable us to tell a, a more powerful story it's like it's like the sum of the parts is greater than the whole so to speak and we want to make sure that the, the different parts of New Zealand's representation in those different audiences whilst're selling specific things food wine beer hops you know beef and lamb and, and fiber and so forth um, there's a consistency in our kind of value space.
0: Okay, don't private businesses or even the industry associations, for example, wine or fisheries in New Zealand, already have an incentive to engage in this kind of international marketing?
1: Yes, some of them do, that's right. I mean, part of the part of the reason why we exist as an organisation is because of the fragmented nature of our exports and our tourism sector in particular, and the market failure, if you like, that Tourism New Zealand is set up to address is the, the lack of cohesion or the, the concern about Um, you know, say 100 different stories or 50 different stories being taught, yelled at the same consumer at the same time, and a lack of cohesion across that actually creates confusion. So one of the things from a marketing and brand development point of view, particularly a nation brand point of view, is we want to make sure that we have some consistency. And obviously, we don't want everyone doing exactly the same thing because it gets very boring, but you do want consistency in the underlying kind of values of your brand campaign and, and marketing efforts. And we want to make sure that that gets picked up because obviously they're added together, that's more powerful. But of course, the opposite is also true. If they're very fragmented and all doing slightly different things and not aligned, then actually you get erosion of your brand story because people don't really know what you stand for. So we've been very good at New Zealand over time, even though we haven't necessarily tried a joined up campaign like this across lots of different government agencies prior to this. Those different agencies, to your point, are doing different bits of work. Whereas what we've done here is said, how do we get those different bits of work to align more effectively to tell a more powerful story for New Zealand?
0: But in, in this case, what is the consistent message? What is, what is the powerful and consistent message? Uh, our, our audience will be familiar, I guess, with that 100% pure brand. But in, in this case, it's, uh, did you say Kaitiokitanga and Manaakitanga? Is that is that, the, is that a new message?
1: Absolutely. So the I mean, 100% pure New Zealand's um, existing brand pillars, if you like, the things in which that that campaign is built on are Manakitanga, uh, Kaitiakitanga and Finona um, Tanga. So it, that existing that's been there for twenty plus years now. That that foundation, and so even though the campaign has evolved over time, as you will know, it's been one hundred percent pure New Zealand. It's been one hundred percent New Zealand. It's been one hundred percent Middle Earth. <laughs> you know, it's been one hundred percent pure Welcome. Uh, you know, one hundred percent pure choice. The actual platform, the actual creative platform, has changed over time as the world has moved on.
0: So that message has expanded from a a kind of environmental one into something quite a lot broader.
1: Yeah, well, interestingly enough, most of our international markets don't see the campaign as an environmental commitment. They see it as a promise that New Zealand will deliver a totally unique experience that's only available here. So the premise of 100% Pure New Zealand is people, place, and product, if you like, that triangle, the perfect triangle of experiences coming together to deliver something that's truly uniquely New Zealand. So 100% pure New Zealand in the, and from a tourism New Zealand marketing point of view or destination marketing perspective isn't really a promise of purity. It's a, pro, it's a commitment to that idea that if you come to New Zealand, you'll get a truly unique experience. That's at the heart of 100% pure. So that and that platform has evolved, as I mentioned before. It's always been 100% pure New Zealand, but how it's been taken to market at different times in its, in its life has changed.
0: Okay, back to the nuts and bolts of it. The um, Messages from New Zealand campaign, was this designed in-house within the agencies or was there a, um, an external ad agency that was commissioned for this?
1: We, we have an, a roster of agencies that we work with and this is one that we used uh, Special Group as the agency that
0: took the lead on this particular development for us. And how, how much did the campaign cost or is budgeted to cost?
1: So we'll, we'll invest, we'll expect to invest somewhere around $10 million in the campaign over the coming year across all of our key markets. Uh, and obviously other agencies will contribute money towards their own executions and their own audiences accordingly.
0: Are you able to give me any indication of how much uh, all the agencies in total will um, commit?
1: I I, I couldn't. I would, if I gave you a number, I'd probably be incorrect, <laughs> to be fair. You're probably better off having a chat
0: with the SDGs okay but it's 10 million 10 million from tourism new zealand yeah 10 million from us okay quite, yeah. okay
1: and i mean in terms of performance though i mean that i mean if there's so far the video's been the content the video content's been viewed about 11 11.6 11. million times globally uh, and of course the sentiment towards the content is really positive right, ranging from around 80 to 95% positive depending upon the market and of course the particular video viewed those kinds of results so far are pretty pretty spectacular. Yeah. given that we're actually only we're only in five markets so far, and of course we've got. A few well, I was
0: going to ask you quite specifically about that. How do, how exactly do you measure whether your ten million dollar investment of taxpayer money is uh, creating ten million dollars at least in value?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So we have a we run a well tourism New Zealand's always run a pretty robust measurement framework, and we use independent. Uh, both independent auditing and also reviews of our campaign work on an ongoing basis to determine the answer to that question. So this is not unique in that regard. So we're always looking for a return on investment um, of every dollar we spend. And of course, the independent review that was commissioned last year by the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment into Tourism New Zealand's role actually acknowledged that the performance of our work uh, generates somewhere in the order of magnitude of sort of fifteen between fifteen to one and twenty-two to one return on investment for every dollar we spend. So we're pretty good at doing that stuff. We're pretty good at making sure we're getting a good return for Kiwis out of our investments. And the cam- I mean, it's too early at this point, given it's only been running for a, a, a matter of weeks, um, to give you an, a dollar-based ROI figure. But the early signals that we look for in a campaign is around the sentiment towards the content. So that's the amount of commentary, sharing, uh, likes or dislikes that the content receives across multiple social channels. So we're looking at whether or not that's working. And right now it's it's showing up as being
0: very positive. And of course, so you're examining the reactions on social media. Is there subsequent surveying that happens further down the track? Is there?
1: Yes, there is. There absolutely is. Yes. And we also look at things like, um, you know, what's well, your point of post survey? There's very specific bio-behavior research that we also look at doing. So did someone that saw the campaign within the X period of time then spend time on our digital assets like New Zealand.com or visit a partner website that was promoted or indeed eventually turned up in New Zealand. Of course, that last one's a bit more difficult to do because of, you know, things like privacy. We want to make sure we respect individuals' privacy so we don't want to track them that 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 closely, but but we do look at trying to find everything we can to measure the effectiveness of our marketing. Okay. And we tend to launch, I don't know if you've been through this before, maybe your listeners might might find this interesting too. What we do when we do a large campaign like this or a large new release of new kind of campaign strategy content is we'll actually start launching it softly into uh, various social channels in different markets and, and do some initial testing against those audiences to see how it lands. We'll also do consumer research, specific consumer research in, against consumer target audiences to determine how the content lands, that it was it understandable, Did it get the right messages across, what was recalled, etc. And we will actually do that with every major piece of content we produce to make sure it's hitting the hitting the mark and actually being effective. And of course, if it doesn't, we'll go back and we'll revisit that and rework it it again.
0: Okay. The cost of this performance monitoring is that included within the ten million dollars investment, or is that an additional cost?
1: No, that'll be partly included in the investment. There'll be specific campaign measurement metric measures included within the budget for every campaign we run. But we also have an in-house analytics team. And we also have a uh, performance management, digital performance management team. Team being a loose word, they're usually two or three people, not large. Um, but they're specialists in understanding and how to look at
0: the performance of content and how whether or not it's having an impact. Okay, and are you are you competing against other countries who are running similar campaigns?
1: Absolutely, all the time. I mean, one of the one of the challenges we find is that, um, and the, probably an example I could use. I don't know if you've bought a new car recently or if you've bought a, been in the market to buy some furniture or any other appliance or any other discretionary choice, what you'll find is when you're in the market to to buy something, suddenly all the cars you see are the same one you're trying to buy. You'll find that you'll very become very aware of destinations when you start thinking about a holiday in the same way. And so when New Zealand is uh, out there competing, if you like, on the world stage, we're not just competing for holiday buyers, we're actually competing for things like investment, you know, food and wine and, and other, uh, you know, a, economic migrants and all those sorts of things, and education and so forth, we're competing with all those different countries all the time.
0: Okay, I can see a a risk here, though, because the examples that you've given were largely uh, purely commercial examples. But in the case of an international tourism campaign, you're competing against foreign governments who, like you guys, have taxpayer resources. Yes. Potentially unlimited taxpayer resources that can be deployed to an extent that's not necessarily rational. How can you compete against an overseas government that is willing to put millions or even billions into these campaigns?
1: So we've always been in that position. Um, We've always been uh, a relatively small fish in a very large pond. And to your point, we are up against it all the time, even against Australia. I mean, there's tourism Tourism Australia, our peer or sister agency peer, And the five states in Australia collectively spend about seven times what Tourism New Zealand's annual budget is, but we're still able to effectively compete with them uh, as best we can. And and because we're very targeted, we're also very—I think—we're very sophisticated in our use of analytics and and digital media. And we're very creative. We have incredibly effective creative agencies, and we've got a very good reputation and expertise at really delivering great, compelling content that consumers really enjoy. And, of course, we are a great place to visit. We've got an incredibly rich culture and natural environment that people can, can immerse themselves in. So, look, I think we, New Zealand as a country, we compete very effectively in spite of the competition out there. But you do raise a very good point. We, we're already I starting mean, I'm to talking succeed. about a
0: taxpayer-funded bidding war, aren't I? That's, that's the concern. Well,
1: there, there is a bit of that. I mean, in some countries, you will have significantly greater investment going in than, than we have. But of course, we will always work with the resources that we've got available to us to maximise the return of the Zealanders. And I think, to be honest, having you know our budget's been flat for six plus years. Um, in fact, down a bit um, over the last couple of years, and many of our competing agencies around the world, the, the countries we compete to have actually increased their budgets in that same period of time. But we've still been able to to hold our own as best we can. So I think, you know, there is there's always a risk of those things, but obviously we've got a very clear eye on, you know, not wait, you know, making sure our money gives us a good return. You know, and I think, you know, the, the challenge as you pointed out, I mean I think one of the challenges for many countries is even in the locked the deep dark despair of lockdown, we saw some of our competition go to market still operating in that traditional tourism conversion layer. And that really did start to backfire on some of them as you can imagine. And what we did is we took a different stance. We took a value-based approach. We shifted to a brand platform that was much more about who we are, what we think is important, and and what we, and the fact that you can still enjoy things from New Zealand even if you can't visit us. So we kind of took a different approach. And that's really, so far, played dividends for us.
0: I think that brings me on to, I think, the, the one question that uh, I haven't yet asked, which is just a bit, maybe it's a bit philosophical. And it's about the content of that campaign and this idea of New Zealand values. Is this a campaign that promotes a type of national identity?
1: Very good question.
0: And if so, how do you decide what the national identity is in New Zealand? How do you make that decision on behalf of New Zealanders?
1: Yeah, so it's, that's a really good question. Were we, I would, it's a, I don't know how to answer that one without being, but also for too philosophical. I guess we're not trying to. So there's probably two parts that one is there's a conversation in the world that already exists about New Zealand and in true brand marketing terms you say that a brand is the conversation people are having about you when you're not in the room so it's the you know that's how your brand shows up so there's already a narrative that exists about New Zealand in the world and then we look at how we do um, consumer research and deep insights into Consumer relationships and business relationships with New Zealand. So this is an outside-in perspective. So it's what the world sees of us, and what they think is is appropriate. And then we overlay that against the way New Zealanders see ourselves, and of course the things that we hold aspirational to some extent. And that you can see some of that happening. You, you get a view of that every day, whether it be in media or in the social kind of discourse. But those kind of conversations there, and we bring those things together, and then we come up with what's called a, a creative platform or a strategic a strategic platform as an idea. So rather than saying it's about our identity and we're trying to push that onto people, it's actually saying, what does the world think of us already? How does that relate to the way we see ourselves or aspire to be? And can we truthfully and authentically put some of those key messages and key values into our campaign and creative content so that they resonate back with the audiences that we're engaging with? So it's really, a, it's more of a, a a tug of war between the markets we're trying to engage with and the audiences we want to sell to and the way we see ourselves and what we aspire to be and how do we play that role out in a way that creates good, compelling content that's authentic and true to who we are. So that's that, I hope that answers your question because I don't think one agency can. I don't think one group of people can do that. Can say this is the identity of New Zealand.
0: I see. I think it is a very difficult question to answer uh, but I've, I've enjoyed this discussion and i hope our listeners will too i uh, thank you so much for making time for this steven uh we know you're uh, busy so we really appreciate it
1: you're very welcome and look um, good luck out there and look forward to catching pace with uh, you or your listeners at some point in the future
0: thank you